Well, go ahead and have a seat, if you would. Um, one quick update. Uh, as you know, I've been saying it for quite a long time. We are still pre-launch, technically. This service, we are launching Palm Sunday. And so Palm Sunday is when we are going to go crazy trying to invite and bring people here. We're going to be hearing a, a very clear gospel message, both Palm Sunday and Easter. It's going to be a real celebration. But that's when we're launching. So we're still kind of working up to that, meaning you, if you are, are all in, if you're committed here, you're part of the launch team. You're, you're part of those that God has brought together to make this succeed, meaning we serve them. We go to the lost. We go to make a difference. Um, we are all leaders in a certain uh, sense. Um, but with that, we, uh, we are taking over the unit next door. So we've been praying about the building, and God has answered. Yeah, God answered the prayer. So uh, starting probably April 1st, so Palm Sunday, we may be at the movie theater. We may be at Jackson Valley School. We'll see what God does. So that's something to pray for um, because we need to get that building done and ironed out. Uh, they're going to install two new bathrooms for us over here. Uh, we're going to break that out, and there's going to be another bathroom. So we'll have four bathrooms total, um, and we're paying 3100 a month for both units. So it is really a blessing. It's really a steal. So just uh, a big thank you to God for that one. Thank you, Father, that he has provided. Um, I want to introduce Ben. Ben is our sending pastor. So you've, you've heard us talk about we are Common Ground, but Common Ground started in Arizona, and now they planted in Las Vegas. Well, Ben is the one that started in Arizona, and he's the pastor that is planting now in Vegas, and he is our sending pastor, our sending church. So Ben is going to come up, and he's going to share with us. Uh, he really has a challenge for us as a whole, so it's a message to me and to, to each of us. So this will be a lot of fun. Uh, pay attention. We don't have notes, uh, but before you leave, do please fill out the survey about last week's outreach. If you didn't participate, please fill this out anyway because there's ideas for what to do um, next. So fill this out before you go, and with no further ado, here's Ben Barfield. Cool, cool. Good to be here, man. Hey, okay, so let me let me tell you something here. I'm, I, I, I'm going to feel free to meddle a little bit. Is that, is that cool? Meddle. Because, you know, <laughs> whoa, I almost died right there. Um, yeah. I almost died. Did you see it? I'm going to feel free to meddle just a little bit because, listen, man, um, I'm, part of the, I'm part of the family here. You guys don't know that, but I'm, I'm part of the family. I mean, maybe like a grandpa a little bit. That's kind of... That's just really weird. Okay. So anyways, um, I just want to say this. Listen, I'm, I'm excited about the cheer you gave me. Okay. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. Man, did you, did you just sing those songs with me? Listen, we just sang about being dead, and now we're alive. You know, I, I think that's kind of the dirty little secret of Christianity. People think of people out there, and maybe even some people in here think about the difference of being a, a Christ follower and not a, not a Christ follower is that, that we were bad, and now we're good, right? I used to live my bad way, and now I live a good life. That's not it. We were dead, and now we're alive. Now, that's something to get excited about. I don't know how we just stand there and I'm alive, I'm alive, amen. Oh, I mean, I don't understand it. So next time I come, we got to get, because, man, I want to punt. Listen, I'm, I'm a little crazy, as you guys will notice. I'm a little crazy, and here's what I want to do, man. I, sometimes when, I, when I'm singing, I want to just, I, I have this urge to punch the enemy in the throat. You know what I mean? And I just, I just, do, I just that's how I feel. This morning we were praying, and, I, and we were talking about the body, and we were talking about how different pieces of the body we are, and I, and I kind of feel like a big toe sometimes. 
of the body. Because I, I, that's the leading edge of the kicking the, to the enemy, man. That's how what I want to be. And that's what I want this church to be. And, that, and I'm excited about being here because um, we talked a lot yesterday. We talked a lot last night. Derek's freaking out right now. He's going, what is he going to say? No, he knows what I'm going to say. Um, here's the deal, man. I'm going to tell you my story a little bit. And so you can kind of know the history of Common Ground. Would you guys need, like to know the history of Common Ground? Well, about 10 years ago, I was, uh, 10 years ago, I was sitting, no, literally 10 years ago, I was, I was a youth pastor. And for like five years, God had kind of been putting on my, on my heart and on my mind that, you know, hey, you need to go plant a church, you need to go plant a church. And I was scared to death, right? And so I'd been in a church for four or five years. My wife was teaching in a different co community in south of Tucson, Arizona called Sawarita. I'm going to say it that way once. Now I'm going to say Sarita the rest of the time. We were in Sarita, Arizona. That's where she was teaching. And all of a sudden, it was just like it was obvious to us. You know, God, I'm not going to go into the calling. We'll do that another time. God called us to go plant a church in Las, in, um, Las Vegas. That too, but that's later. Um, to plant a church in Sarita, Arizona. So my family moved from northwest Tucson to way southwest of Tucson. Um, and we decided, God called us to plant a church. So we, we started in my house, my family. And so there were days where I was just hoping everybody would show up, you know, because there was five of us. And if my, one of them was missing, it was one of my family, right? So that's kind of scary. So we, we met Common Ground, started in my house. And God started it there. And he did a crazy, crazy work where that church now literally imp has impacted the culture of that community. They have over, they have, you know, 500 people. That's not the big deal, though. The community would notice if Common Ground ceased to exist. I'm going to talk about some of that in a little bit. But how would you like for this Common Ground to impact and influence the culture of this community. Because that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how truly you can impact the culture of the community. Now, we say that, we talk about that all the time, right? We say, hey, we, one of the things that is kind of one of our mantras is that we want to make our community a better place. We want to make our community a better place. The only way to do that is through Jesus, right? But it's, sometimes it's a bunch of talk, if we're honest but we don't really know how to do it. So what I want to do is I want to look at a kind of an obscure passage of scripture. And it's one of my, actually one of my favorites, Paul. You know who Paul is, right? Right? He's the guy that um, Jesus kicked his butt and then he became uh, the, like, the guy that wrote most of the Bible, right? Most of the New Testament. So Paul is this guy and he's a church planner. He's the guy who starts churches, man. That's what he does. And um, I want to look at how he started a church in Athens. And not only did he start a church, but he influenced the, it influenced the culture of the community. We're going to look at the whole thing. I'm going to read this whole passage. I don't usually read a big, long passage of scripture. I usually read little pieces, but this is such a rich, deep story, man. And so I, for the kids in here, you ready? Because the parents, youth, kids, you, you guys will understand this. Parents, you guys know this, and, and you're going to go, oh, okay, but this is for you. This is the setting, Athens, okay? Athens, Greece. You heard of Athens? It's the place where the Parthenon is. The Parthenon is like a structure, you know, that, that worships, there was an old temple that they had, Greek, you've heard of Greek mythology, right? Greek mythology? You know about Zeus and, and Ares and all the different Greek gods. You know, you've seen Clash of the Titans or Percy Jackson, right? You know the, those stories? That actually was what these guys believed in this community. So it's kind of a connection to that. So it's really what they believed. And so Paul walks into this community, this community called Athens, and this is what, what the story is. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, oh, sorry, it's this Acts 17, verses 16 to 34. He said to say this, it's in six, page 640, in your, if you have one of these Bibles. 
Now, I'm reading it to you in a little different version, but that's okay. Acts chapter 17, verses 16 to 34. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. Does that remind you of any place? Right? I live in Las Vegas now, man. We went, God called us to plant a church. That's a city of idols. This is a city of idols. Really, every city is a city of idols. But what are some of the idols of the city? Can you name a few. What are some of the idols of the city? Gambling. What else? Prostitution. Prostitution. Hey, told me about the mound house down the, kind of down the street, right? Where the bunny ranch, bunny ranch is and all that stuff. Okay, then what else? Alcohol. Alcohol. Drugs. Fitness. Fitness. There you go. That's, we're near California. I don't fit in here. Education. Education. Hunting. Skiing. Whatever, right? All kinds of idols here, right? Well, so Paul was distressed by the idols. And, and I hope that you're distressed by the idols in the city. Man, I'm going to have a hard time keeping this 20 minutes. I'm just telling you. Um, so, so he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, and with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Okay, now, so here, here's the deal. Paul's walking around. He's going all over the city. He's doing all kinds of stuff. He's talking about Jesus wherever he goes, in the marketplace, in the synagogue, all that kind of stuff, and he's noticed. And he's noticed by the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. We find out later, these guys are the influencers of the city. They're the people who are the, who are the philosophers. There's the people, they go up to this place called Mars Hill, the Areopagus. They go up there and they have this meeting and they, and they discuss commerce and they discuss philosophy and they t- discuss culture. And, they, and so that's what's going on here. He's noticed by these guys. They're the, they are the leaders of the city. They are the, the culture leaders of the city. And they say this, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They say this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Now we could get into all of that, and I'm not going to skip on. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting at the Areopagus where they said to him, okay, the Areopagus, just so you know, it's the place, it's not too far from, uh, it wasn't too far from where the Parthenon was. You know, right in that same kind of area, and it was up on a hill, and it was supposedly the place where Ares was convicted of um, the crimes against the other gods. And so it's, it's this holy place to them, you know, but it's also a place where they, where they would all go up there, and they would talk about philosophy and the culture, and they would make decisions on the community and how, how the life of the community worked. So, um, so that's, what, that's what the Areopagus is. And they said, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. They invited him in. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. This is what they did. A bunch of philosophers. So verse 22. This is a crazy, crazy story when you think about this. In the Western church, I don't mean the West United States, I mean the Western church, Christianity. This, this is really a foreign idea to us. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, you're a bunch of sinners. You are out of control. You need to stop your gambling. You need to stop your drinking. You need to stop. Is that what he says? No, he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. And then he says, For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So we stop right there. So what he's done, what this is saying, 
that he's actually walked. This, they had temples for every god in Athens. The, the main one was the temple of, to Diana and, and the goddess of fertility. And so you can imagine what happened in this temple. It wasn't like a temple where they got up and they raised their hands and they sang praise songs. Okay? Um, crazy stuff happened to these temples. You know, um, I'm not going to go into it because there's, there's younger people in the room, but let's just say she was the god of fertility, right? And they practiced things in this, in this temple. And there were other temples. All the, all the temples were in Athens. And he had been in those temples. He says, I walked around and saw your places of worship. And in one of these temples, there's an idol to an unknown God. You see, these guys didn't want to offend anybody. They, you know, if, if they're a polytheistic culture. They, there's all these gods. And the gods that, um, connect with the humans. They do all kinds of crazy stuff. Sometimes they, they have babies with humans. It's weird. I mean, you, you know Greek um, um, mythology, right? It's weird stuff. And that's the, what these guys believed. And so they had actually an idol to an unknown God. So they wouldn't offend some God they didn't know about. So Paul, <laughs> Paul says, I even found an altar with this inscription to an idol to an unknown God. So you were ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Paul takes a pagan idol and tells people about Jesus using it. I guarantee you that if I walked in this church this morning and I had some kind of pagan idol, there might be some of us in here that would be uncomfortable with that. Say, what? what, what, what that's a pagan idol. That's, that's, I mean, they worship, they, they worship wood and stone and that's not... Listen, that's what he did. He used a part of their culture that they understood, a pagan idol, to tell people about Jesus, to, to share the gospel. That's crazy to me. You know what I mean? So let's, let's read what he says. Now remember, okay, just, just think about it. Think about Clash of the Titans. Think about Percy Jackson, the lightning thief, all that stuff. Think about all the um, Greek mythology you learned when you were in school. They don't teach that anymore, but, it, but they used to learn it when we were older, younger. We used to learn Greek mythology. Think about all that stuff, what it entails, you know, Hercules and, and all these crazy stories. Think about that as he, as he, I mean, when we think about that, we read the scripture, man, it comes alive that he understood exactly who these people were. He understood exactly what they believed, and he went straight to it to tell them about who God was. So remember, he's using this idol to an unknown God. He says, let me tell you about the thing that you worship that you don't understand. Verse 24, he says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. I mean, full on, bang, let me talk about this God and let me tell you who he is and how he really is with you and not like, he's, not like Zeus not like all these other things. Let me tell you about the real God. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent 
He uses the repent word, right? For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, Jesus. Remember why they invited him? Because they wanted to hear about the Jesus and the resurrection. So he, uses, he talks about all this stuff and he says, hold, you know, talking about an unknown um, idol, and says, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with the justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Jesus is in the resurrection. Jesus, he tells them who Jesus is. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. They thought he was crazy, right? But others said, we want to hear more on this subject. We want to hear you again. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And, and there's evidence that Paul actually kept coming to the Areopagus and spoke more than one time. It wasn't just one time. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman named Darius, and a number of the other, a number of others. And so the church of Athens started. And it began to influence the community because they were with the influencers. So what can we learn from this story? What can Common Ground Carson City learn from the story? So I'm going I'm to talk about it a little bit. I'm going to maybe share a couple stories about, about Common Ground Sarita and um, Common Ground Las Vegas. Maybe a few, but I don't, I don't know. But, but here's the deal. There's a couple of things in here that I want us to bring out. And, and, and I'm not going to have one big idea. This is really kind of um, a map or a pathway to how we, Common Ground, Carson City, Common Ground Carson, how you can influence this community. Truly influence, not just with talking about it, but actually really influencing it. First of all, this is we have to engage the marketplace. It starts out, the story starts out that, that Paul in, engaged the marketplace. He was, he was walking around, it says, in the synagogues and in the marketplace. He was out among the people. Wherever he went, he talked of Jesus, wherever he went. What do we talk about wherever we're going? What is it that we're saying? Are we talking about Jesus? Are we talking about our stories? What are we talking about as, we, as we're at work, as we're in the marketplace? As we're, what is the marketplace in the first place? I think the marketplace is two things. When we take the marketplace of, of the Old Testament, we try to apply it, I mean, the New Testament, we try to apply it to today, this marketplace in Athens, there was two, really two things that it was. It was where the life of community happens. I mean, everything that was involved in the community was in that marketplace. I mean, you, you could buy food, you could, um, you could buy stuff that you had to use in the temples. Um, people just, that's where they met, that's where they talked, where they had meetings. The marketplace, it's where the life of the community happened, right? And so how do we engage our, our community? Where's the life of this community? Where does it happen? Does it happen in here on Sundays? Does it happen up on that mountain, sitting there worshiping God? The life of the community happens in your job. It, there, basically, there's human places here in, in, in um, Carson, right? Carson City, there's human places. Where are those human places where humans interact we need to engage those places and take jesus to those places in a practical way so maybe a question you can start asking as a body as as a group of people that are gathered together with a purpose to to make this community a better place where can what what question can you ask maybe you need to ask yourself where does life happen in this city 
How can we engage the life of this city? The second thing is, the second thing I think that when you think of marketplace, it's the economy of the community, right? I mean, it's where all of the, the transaction took, took place. What is the, what's the economy of this community? Where, where does it happen? Ask that question. How do we affect the economy of the community? You know, in Sarita, let me tell you a story about kind of this marketplace idea. In Sarita, where we started Common Ground, we, we were engaged in the marketplace. We were, we were involved in a school. We were involved um, in, the, in, the, in the economy of the com community. There was, a, there was a time when there was actually a flood, believe it or not. In southern Arizona, there was a flood that came through and wiped out a bunch of houses in our community, and the developer was in trouble. Be honest with you, people were going to sue the developer. He was in the trouble, and the, the developer of the community—it's a master plan community. You know what that is? Big old huge master plan community. Like um, now, that I think there's 18,000 homes there, right? Big old huge master plan community. The developer came to common ground. He didn't go. He didn't attend common ground. He came to common ground and said, "Hey, listen, can we start a fund using your church to help those people in need?" Now he was doing it to save his butt, to be honest with you. But guess what we did? We jumped right in the middle of that, man. We said, sure, we took heat from the paper for doing it. Because they said, you're just helping the developer get off. Get off. Well, that didn't happen. But the point is, we jumped right in the middle. We said, we're going to engage in the economy of this community. We're going to engage where life happens. You know, we go to ball games, coach a team. You know, um, what do you need to do? What, do? what do you need to do individually? Maybe you need to ask yourself, how do I engage in the, in the community? If all you do is go to work, and all your friends are in church, and all your things you do church-wise, man, you're not engaging the community. You're engaging the body. We need to engage the community. Common ground is not a place. It's a people. That's a, that's a good mantra to have, by the way. Common ground is not a place. It's a people. We need to go out and find... That's, why do you think we use the word common ground? Because we need to go out and find common ground with people. So that I might win some, right? Paul said, Paul said that in um, 1 Corinthians 19. So, go to the marketplace. Engage the marketplace. The second thing is, this is the hard one, okay? He went to the dark places. He engaged the dark places. And listen, he didn't just engage. He, he understood. He went to the dark places. Man, we get this um, holy huddle kind of thing going on, and we think there's places that we do not go. There's places that we can't go because we're Christians. We're followers of Jesus. We can't go there. We can't, we can't engage that. Listen, if nobody else is going to bring the light, who's, what's gonna, it's just going to stay dark. we got to bring the light to the dark. Jesus is the light of the world. My prayer for Las Vegas is that the lights get turned out because we've engaged the darkness so much that the light of the world starts to shine, right? Got to go to the dark places. Listen, he went to the Areopagus, which means Aries Rock. It's this pagan place of worship. I mean, he went up there and he engaged them. He talked about an idol to an unknown God. Let me give you an example of this. Common ground in Sarita. We um, were invited by the community to participate in a hollow, we one, okay, so here's the story, okay, I'm, I'm hurrying, okay, I'm doing the best I can, Derek, here's the story, we were, um, one year, the two fire departments had a fight, okay, there was a fire department in one part of town, there was a fire department in the other side of town, 
and one of them was trying to incorporate the other, and they had a fight. And the years before that, they had together put on, on Halloween what they called the safe house, where they um, brought people in, thousands of people would come, and, and they would have a safe house. Well, they got in a fight. They didn't like each other anymore, so they didn't have any safe house. So like a couple weeks before Halloween, we found out, hey, there's no, there's no safe house. There's nothing for the community. So we said, you know what? Let's do something to engage the culture. And so we had a Halloween trunk or treat. Now, we didn't have a harvest festival because when, oh my gosh, can I say it, Derek, or no? When you have a harvest festival, what you're really saying is, hey, Christians, come on. Because everybody else knows it is Halloween. If, and I know that there's some of you right now that the, the hackles on the back of your neck are, are rising and you're going, oh my gosh, this guy's pagan. No, listen. If a Paul can use a pagan idol to point people to Jesus, we can redeem a pagan holiday. And we can use that to point people to Jesus. So listen, we had this trunk or treat. And we had, you know, maybe a thousand people come. It was pretty cool. I mean, a thousand people, right? That's, that was crazy. And listen, and we had people start coming to our church. It was, it was crazy. And, we, and it was really cool. But that's not the rest of the story. The rest of the story is the next year, the, the, um, the, the rift between the, the um, two fire departments had healed. The city, the two fire departments, the... Um, the, the developer, the school's district, all came to us and said, hey, listen, we want to start something new. We're going to call it the, the Sarita Spooktacular Halloween event. And we want you guys to do the whole trunk or treat for it, just like you did last year. You can do whatever you want. Come on. Be part of this. So we did. And let me tell you, I got assassinated by my church, some people in my church. They said, listen, this is not right. You can't participate in this. This is evil. You can't do it. And you know what? We did it anyways. And I'm going to tell you what. There are 30 or 40 people who know Jesus. Because for the last several years, they've, had, they've been involved in that spooktacular. And guess what's right next to the trunk or treat? The haunted house that the, that the schools do. And you know what? I, I'm not going to apologize for that. Because, listen, Jesus is being glorified. People are being told about Jesus as, we, as they walk around hand, handing out candy. We hand out candy. We tell them about Jesus. And it's crazy because we're in the marketplace. We're in the dark places. You go, we can go to the dark. There's no place off limits. Now, now okay. Yeah. Now, let me, let me say this. We still need to be wise, okay? Men, don't you go down and minister at the mound house. Oh. <laughs> don't do that. But listen, ladies... Listen, that may be a place where you've got to find a way to minister to those women. To engage those women, to engage the dark places. Men, the, the, somebody, somebody down there is in charge of that place, is making a bunch of money off that place. You know, um, maybe you need to find out who that is and, and engage that guy and, and, and talk to, you know, I don't know. I don't know what all that is. I'm, just, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, consider that. The enemy's, enemy's territory is not off limits. Listen, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy is on the alert. He's looking, I mean, on the attack. We need to be alert and look for that. But on the other hand, there's a scripture in Matthew 16, 18, where it says, where Jesus says, I will build my church. He's talking to Peter. He says, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell won't prevail. Now, we often think of that, that passage and we think, yeah, man, 
The gates of hell, they can't do anything to us. And we get this picture of the gates of hell, like the enemy's taking a gate and whacking us with a gate, right? Listen, a gate is not an offensive weapon. A gate is a defensive weapon. And Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, we need to smash down those gates, invade the enemy's territory and do something. If you want to engage this city, we got to engage the darkness. Because what happens is this. When we understand the spirituality of a city, when we engage the dark places, guess what happens? The Stoics of the community, the Epicureans of the community, the philosophers of the community, they take notice. And they see what you're doing. And they invite you into the Areopagus. You notice I said that we were invited, I kept saying over and over, that we were invited by the city. We were invited by the town council. We were invited by um, the school district. We were invited by the developer. All of that happened because for years they saw us engage the community. They saw us engage the marketplace. They saw us engage the dark places. And they said, we need what they got. So we invite you into this. You can't influence a community without being invited in. So here's the thing. Paul was invited to be part of the place that influenced the community. Remember, these were the philosophers. These were the guys. They were the city leaders. They were the town leaders. And they said, you know what? This guy's saying something different, man. He, he's not afraid to go anywhere. He's not afraid to say anything. He's not afraid to, wherever he goes, to talk about the Jesus. We need to know more about it. We need to know more, more, about, more about that. And they invited him in. And one of the Areopagus leaders comes to know Jesus. You don't think that changed the place? <laughs> I mean, that's crazy, right? A couple stories really quick, and I'm going to challenge you. We left Common Ground two years ago, moved to Vegas. Um, we're, we're, we're just like you right now. We're working hard to find a way to engage. It's really different than where we're from. We're from a community more like this. Sarita was a bedroom community to Tucson, you know, about 11 miles away, you know, um, maybe 40,000 people, 50,000 people. And so we were able to really engage that community, right? And, and really engage, I'm going to tell you a story. And so, but, but here's the thing. We're trying to figure that out in Vegas now. I mean, how do you engage there, you know? How do you, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, how do we really start to influence that community? I think that's a whole other story. We're working on it, and, and, and I believe that God's going to do something. I really do, but it's going to take a while because it's a lot tougher nut to crack than what we were in. But here's the thing. You know what happened about two years before we left Common Ground? We were invited. The paper contacted us. The, the Sarita News, Green Valley Sun, cop contacted us and said, hey, listen, we want to do a town hall meeting with the town council, with the school district, with, um, with the school district employees, with the, the developer. We want to just get all these people together in one place. And we don't know who can call that town council meeting except for you. So we held a town council meeting for the whole community where we got to ask the questions. We got to um, engage them. The superintendent was there. The mayor was there. All the town council members that were there. The developer of this huge, large mar um, master plan community was there. And we got to ask him questions about our town. We got to ask him um, and we were involved in the culture. Of the, we, and that's when we realized, you know what? 
We're influence in this community. We're really influence in this community. When you get a call from the paper, the same paper that ridiculed us a few years before that, by the way, the same paper that the guy that's the, the editor became a Christian and came to our church, crazy, right? Listen, that can happen here. I, can, I, I believe that can happen here. I've seen crazy miracles, crazy miracles. But the biggest miracle of all, I mean, we've seen kids that were, that we, I saw a kid at our church that, that basically the doctors were, 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 gonna call, were calling him dead, you know? For, for six hours, he didn't have enough oxygen going to his brain. Six hours, he was drowned. Two weeks later, they said he's going to come out a vegetable, he's gonna, or, or he's going to at least have months and months of rehab. Two weeks later, he walked out of that place, nothing wrong. Crazy little kid, man. I saw, I saw, um, I saw a family who had a car accident. Who, um, the, the mom was okay. She was driving the car. The mom was okay. The daughter was killed, decapitated right in front of her family. The, um, the, the dad was in a coma. The son was in a coma. And I saw a mom come to a community service with a thousand people there, with the superintendent of the school there, with the, all the, um, the principal of, of the school there. And, and I preached the gospel and the principal got saved, man. I saw that stuff. And it was miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. We saw it happen in, in, in Sarita. But here's the thing. You know what the biggest miracle was? When we realized we're influencing this community. Jesus is using us to actually influence this community. So, from Grandpa. Weird. Guys, you, listen. You don't know how cool this is to me. I, yesterday, I kind of realized it. Ten years ago, we were in my house with five people. Ten years ago. With five people in my house. And God raised up a church out of that. And it's a thriving church. Doing really, and, then, and then he sent the two main leaders of the church, myself and Austin Ryan, he sent us to Vegas to start another church. And then a few months later, and, and Kyle, you know, your, your brother, Callie, Kyle was one of them. Your son, Doug. Kyle was one of them that moved with us to, um, to um, Las Vegas. And then we get hooked up with you guys. We meet you guys. And, and now we have three generations of Common Ground Church in 10 years, man. That's crazy, man. That's multiplication. Because, listen, one church can't reach Las Vegas and Tucson and Carson City. And, one, by the way, one church can't reach Carson City either. But God is in the business of multiplication. He's in the multiplication business. And so I'm jacked right now, man, to be here with you guys. You may not notice that. You may think, <laughs> you may think Derek, never invite that guy back. He's crazy. Okay? You may think that. And that's cool. But I, Derek's going to invite me back. He already has. So there you go. So um, <laughs> it's a tough luck. Um, don't leave the church. <laughs> so he'll just tell you when I'm coming and just don't come that day. So, um, but here's the thing, man. I'm so jacked. But I want to challenge you. And here's the challenge. Go to the marketplace. Common ground, Carson, better not be about this building. It better not be about meeting in Bible studies. If that's your two main things, <laughs> common ground, Carson City, needs to be, uh, be about plan A. Plan A. You say, what's plan A? Plan A is this. Jesus stood in front of his disciples. And he said, hey, guys, listen. I've spent three years with you, walking with you, talking with you, spending time with you. It's been awesome. It's been great. We've had a great time. I was dead. 
and now I'm alive. It's pretty cool. You guys saw me die. You saw me come back to life. It was cool. And, and you know what? In just a few seconds here, I'm about to zip out of here. You don't know it yet, but I'm, I'm about to ascend into heaven. So I got one thing I got to tell you before I go. And it's probably the most important thing. So, so I want you to hear. Uh, I'm going to give you some authority here. I'm going to give you some authority. Now, guys, listen. Go make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. You know, here's the deal. It's, I, I've been here. I've been kind of leading this thing. I'm about to be out of here. Your plan A. Church, your plan A. And guess what? There is no plan B. If Carson City is going to be full of people who know Jesus, it's going to be changed by the light of the world, he's not going to walk up and stand on that mountain and say, hey, everybody, listen, I'm Jesus. You need me. That's your job. Your plan A, and there's no plan B. That's pretty heavy duty. So you better go to the marketplace. You better engage the marketplace. It means you got to know your culture. It means you got to engage the people. You got to engage the life of the community, engage the economy of the community. Listen, the second thing is go to the dark places. Don't be afraid of the dark. Followers of Christ shouldn't be afraid of the dark. We need to expose the dark, bring the light to the darkness. Have you ever been? In a place that's totally dark and seen, and they, and they like turn like a little candle on. You know that you can see a candle in a, in a totally pitch black, black place from 10 miles away? It's because light exposes the darkness. It, 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 listen, we have the light of the world. We need to go to the dark places, bring the dark to the light. Do it with wisdom, but ask the question as a, as a, as a community of believers. Ask the question, good, good word usage, community of believers. Ask the question. What dark places do we engage? How do we do it in wisdom? But ask that question. Don't say we're afraid of the dark, right? Be dangerous. Don't be afraid. And lastly, then you'll be invited. You'll be invited to influence the community. And when that happens, step on the gas, man, and get there and do it. I mean, let me, let me pray for you guys. And, and I, I'm so excited to be here. This is I was in my house 10 years ago, in my house, every week thinking nobody's going to show up. And all I'm inviting is my family. Until we were about 150 people, I thought every week, nobody's going to show up. And look at what's happened. I would have never dreamed Las Vegas. Never dreamed. I'm from Tucson. I love Tucson. Las Vegas? Carson City? I, I, that was not even, I don't even, I, my remotest imagination. Look at what God's done. What's next? What's next? Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for the crazy, crazy, crazy opportunity to be here. We, God, just thank you. Man, I've loved over the last 10 years watching you move. I can't wait till we get to heaven and all these people get to go to the rewind room and and see what's happened. Just watch the whole thing unfold in front of them. God, I, I, just, I just thank you again and again and again for what you've done and what you're going to do. Because as much as that's happened in 10 years and that we couldn't imagine, I can't. What's next? God, we, we, we want to do what you want us to do. We want to be who you want us to be. And so we look to your word, and we see that in your word that Paul engaged the marketplace. He engaged the dark places. He was invited to influence. 
I pray that over this body of believers, Lord, this, this group of influencers, Lord, that they would influence this community. They'd be invited into influence. But, but to do that, God, they're going to have to go into the marketplace, take Jesus with them, have to tell their stories. They're going to have to be noticed by the Stoics and the philosophers as they engage the dark places. So God, I just pray that you give them faith to do that. God, help them in their unbelief. Because I understand that. Help us in our unbelief. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Boom. Amen. Amen.